standing at this urinal when this rock comes out of the end of my penis rolling down <laughs> and it plops down there in the and I swear I was so relieved I just fell down on my knees and I was standing next to somebody who was pissing and I literally picked the rock up. Uh, I just asked you how you were doing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but so, uh, congratulations. Congratulations. So, <laughs> so uh, uh, I'd like to introduce um, Andros Jones. Uh, he he was uh, worked on Nightmare on Elm Street 4 with me, and uh, we've laughed a little over the years. And, He's also uh, Jeff from Night Trap. And Jeff from Night Trap. <laughs> it is true. It is true. And uh, and I was just recently listening to a really interesting podcast that he has. Uh, um, why don't you tell us all about that, Andres? Well, are you talking about the new podcast? I was the talking world? about that. I, I was talking about the new podcast. Yeah. So for years, I've been hosting a podcast called Radio 8 Ball. It's a musical divination show where we answer questions by picking songs at random and interpreting them like musical tarot cards. I've had a lot of my nightmare friends on it and other folks. Uh, but I just started a new podcast with my friend Brian Connolly, who is the co-author of a book uh, some of you may have heard of. It's called Destroy All Movies. Uh, it's a it's a it basically it's an encyclopedia of the appearance of every punk rocker in any film from 1975 to 2000. So if there's a a person with a mohawk in the back of a Bette Midler film, like as an extra walking across the street, they cover that guy. So he's <laughs> a to manage Vulcan Video in Austin, Texas, which is their uh, their hipster video store. Right. He's had access. To, he's just a guy who has, has has seen so many movies. Anyway, so he and I have been friends for a long time. And we decided, well, every time we get together, all we do is talk about movies. And usually um, one of the things we share is that we like a lot of movies that other people write off as either being bad or lowbrow or boring or whatever. Or people just don't even know about it because it got a, it never got a release or it got a shitty release or it's, I can swear on this, right? Absolutely. Uh, no, absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, a fucking shitty release. Yeah, that, okay. You know. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, but uh, so, yeah, so we decided we had this idea. Well, what if we did a podcast devoted to all of these films that we love and that the world is wrong about? And that's where we came up with the title, The World is Wrong, which is uh, the podcast is an extremely positive podcast about films that have been misjudged, maligned, or ignored by critics and the. Ooh. So I wanted, I, I wanted to ask because I was listening to your your uh, first podcast, your your first uh, your first episode. And this sounds like such an interesting film. <laughs> oh, Mad Dog Time. Yeah, Mad Dog Time. We covered is a film called Mad Dog Time. It also came out under the title Trigger Happy. It's from 1996. It was directed by Larry Bishop who is the son of Joey Bishop. And for those of you out there who are fans mm -hmm. of Rat Pack, you will know Joey Bishop as the fifth guy in that famous picture outside the sands. So there's Frank Sinatra, right. Dean Martin, Sammy Davis Jr., Peter Lawford, friend of the Kennedys, and the other guy. And the other guy was Joey Bishop, who right. was had a very popular TV show in the 50s and 60s. Uh, he was a, you know, he was a, a real sort of, he was a celebrity. 
Uh, a lot of people right. don't know who he is now. But anyway, so Larry was raised uh, in this showbiz family and he grew up in Hollywood and he just has so many amazing stories. Uh, we actually got him for an interview for this podcast, which was amazing. He feels like he's never talked about this film because nobody's ever asked him about it. But uh, <laughs> it's got Jeff Goldblum and Richard Dreyfus and Gabriel Byrne and Kyle McLaughlin and Diane Lane and Alan Barkin and Burt Reynolds and Paul Anka and Billy Idol and Christopher Jones and Rob Reiner and Michael J. Pollard and Henry Silva. It just goes on and on and on. And everyone in it is just like acting, <laughs> acting their asses off. It's it's a, a parallel universe gangster film. There's so many interesting ideas in it. I and just Rob love the concept just right there. Just the, the concept of a parallel universe gangster film <laughs> yeah. I, I mean you know that's that 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 had to be a weird sell <laughs> just by itself yeah i mean when i talked to him he he found i guess so he went to high school with richard dreyfus ah. and uh richard dreyfus stars in and is the producer well he's one of the stars of this and he's the producer of it and in his interview with us larry was saying how when they graduated from high school, Larry went right into a six picture deal with uh, AI. Was it AI picture? API, right, maybe. Right. AP no, no. API was a news service. AI. AI, yeah. sorry. American International. Yes. American International, right. Bike, uh, biker films for them. So when he got out of high school, he was the most successful of his peer group, which included an acting troupe he was in with Richard Dreyfus, Albert Brooks, and Rob Reiner. And so <laughs> in the early 70s, he was he just thought he was like in the late 60s and early 70s. He was the sort of the star of their group, the one who was doing favors for him, getting them into, into things. Right. So I guess obviously at some point that power dynamic shifted. Something that I definitely relate to is someone who left high school and went out and got into movies really quick and sort of thought he was <laughs> a big shot with all of his friends who went on to other things. Um, anyway, uh, so that's how I think. It was his relationship with Richard Dreyfus that allowed him to do a picture like this. But when you listen to him talk about it, it sounds like the, he ended up in a very sweet deal where the, the producers were 100 percent supportive of his most outlandish ideas. I mean, he says in his interview that his primary influences as a director are Dean Martin and Schopenhauer. <laughs> Neither directed a movie, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> but you can kind of see that if. Dean Martin read a lot of Schopenhauer and then directed a film. He might direct this movie. Uh, <laughs> I, I, it's, it's, you told me to listen to the podcast. Yeah. And I did listen to the pod. I'm not finished yet, by the way, you know, so, that, how, one is a very long one. come on. You know, I was talking to TJ about this and I said, you know, like it's three and a half hours long, the podcast. <laughs> and I said, you know, you know, really, uh, I don't do anything for three and a half hours other than sex. <laughs> okay, you know, the, you know, the feeling, right? Is that three and is that three and a half hours contig uh, continuous or contiguous or do you break it up? Three and a half hours <laughs> no, that's, that's only if something goes horribly wrong to tell you the truth. So maybe his uh, podcast piece is a, his podcast is a good companion piece. Well, yes, you definitely should. <laughs> well, want to make it last. Think about our podcast. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> but, but, but you know what? In, in a way, though, you did a good job because you actually, you you actually 
kind of justified having a podcast twice as long as the movie that you're talking about. Well, let me just be clear. <laughs> the podcast official is an hour. And then we got Larry Bishop on and he talked to me for two and a half hours. Right. And if you can find the part of that that I should have cut, please tell me. Well, the no, no, no. I, good, I, point, I, good point. I, I, good point. Good point. I, the, you know, the, the like it's just every he's got so many amazing stories. You're like, uh, and I, what am I supposed to do? Oh, Larry, sorry. Yeah. No, no, no. I. <laughs> Nick, that happened to me the first time that you and I did an interview. Uh, I was like, okay, this is gonna be like 45 minutes tops, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Two and a half hours later, <laughs> Mick is like, yeah, yeah, that was great, man. And I was like, yeah, 45 minutes, huh? Yeah. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> so you know, you know what it's like when you have yeah. gold. Yeah, there's, there's no doubt. But, but, but he broke it up into a couple of a uh, uh, couple of uh, podcasts. Coward. I, 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 <laughs> but, but all that aside. It was it was a riveting. It, it really is a riveting podcast. I mean, and now the the thing the thing that I was going to object to is what you should have told me was that I should watch the film and then you then know listen to the podcast. I've changed my I've changed since referring you to referring you to the podcast or the podcast to you. I realized that. And in fact, when I told you about it, I hadn't. Because now I have a fucking thirst, a fucking yes. thirst to see this goddamn film. I'll tell you, I, I I'm breaking the law. I uploaded the film to Vimeo to my Vimeo account and posted the film on <laughs> our website uh, on the podcast page, so you can oh. go and watch the film in its entirety. We found we basically we found that there were no streaming versions available and there was one version on youtube the film is uh is like as an hour and a half but on youtube it was running at 70 minutes so it, it was a sped up version of the film <laughs> was and it edited or just literally no, sped up had a bad vcr and they actually were just filming the thing playing on YouTube. <laughs> oh god so I yeah my, those are my favorite so like, you know, and that's been up since 2016. So if MGM isn't shutting them down for yeah. it, well, there I, you go. I can probably keep it up on Vimeo for a little while. Well, uh, so <laughs> checking out this film, Mad Dog Time, a.k.a. Trigger Happy from 1996. You can find it at the Radio 8 Ball Vimeo page or just go to the world is wrong Click on the Mad Dog Time episode and you will see the video right there. And you can watch it before you listen, unlike Mick, who had to listen before he watched. <laughs> really, really. See, and then we get we get to this and I'm like, yeah, I'm on secondhand information for this sucker, you know. But uh, all that aside, another thing I wanted to ask you about. So last night. We did. We had a, uh, a, a viewing party of Nightmare on Elm Street Four, oh, which boy. which uh, which you were part of. Oh yeah, uh, uh, yeah, sort of. Yeah, so, sort of, sort of, sort of the uh, the 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 event or or the the motion picture. No, no. Well, sort of the event in that. Uh, well, I thought it was going to be at seven o'clock at night. And 
it was seven o'clock at night Eastern time. It was four o'clock in the afternoon where I am on the West Coast. Right. And you know, I love my I love my nightmare friends. And I uh, and I was really glad to be involved. But sitting at my desk and watching that film uh, and just having all of the feelings that come up with it, that requires some drinking. And <laughs> So, well, I, I think I think that you and Rodney then were yeah. on the same page with that. Yeah. So basically at seven o'clock at the six or seven, when we wrapped up this thing, I was I was ruined. So I basically I've had <laughs> I've had it's been since then. It's been weird because I slept until like midnight and then woke up and then worked on editing my podcast until four thirty in the morning and then went to sleep. And so, yeah, so I'm all. I'm all turned around, but it was fun. You're, you're, you're yeah, yeah, no, it, it was funny. It, it's, uh, that's, that film has, has this coffee. Yeah. Yeah. That's coffee. Yeah. You're sure. I don't, it, yeah, no, no. One in the afternoon is not happy hour for me. Yeah, no. <laughs> well, yeah. So, so you're a traditionalist drunk. It's borderline. Yeah. yeah. Traditionalist. Yeah. Um, yeah. so I, uh, I thought that you did a really good job. Uh, and as usual, you, you are an eloquent speaker uh, and, and, um, and really kind of a smart guy and a smart ass, I might add, which is something that you and I both really, really do have in common. Yes. Our asses are fucking <laughs> brilliant. brilliant. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it is very true. Um, yeah, so, uh, was there, was there one particular smart ass remark that you found, uh, you took, you took a offense at or pleasure in? Uh, no, not, not, I, I mean, I look, there was, there was so much stuff happening on the screen all the time that I, 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 I had problems with, with the fact that there were like 11 of us staring yeah. back at me <laughs> and, and, and my, my attention was like, you know, just, I, I was, I was having a hell of a time just trying to, trying to kind of halfway guide things, which, which I had been told all of a sudden before we started that, um, that that was going to kind of be my job, which is kind of ridiculous. I was like, no, really, I'm not sure that I really want to do that, but, you know, you you do what you have to. Yeah, it's a it's an odd thing because on the one hand, with those those things, I feel like at first I this is one of the reasons I also like to drink before it because I get a little shy, and I if everyone's talking, I just I'm like okay, I'm just gonna check on my baseball scores and listen to this. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then if I start to engage, once I start, it's kind of hard to stop. And I feel like maybe you're a similar type. And one of the things that I I get aware of, or maybe this is in part uh, just knowing the people involved. Uh, in part, it's also just the general guilt that follows a, a, an experience of a social experience of drinking and then realizing, oh, after what did I say? What? what? <laughs> but. I did feel like it's it's such a weird balance because Nightmare is so much about the women. It's just the story. It is. They, I mean, it's the final girl. It's the, the final girl setup, is what it is. They're the, they are the you know they are the the 
they're the first class stars. Well, Freddie's the first class star of it. Then right. the women are the first the the first class stars who aren't Freddie, and then the guys are the are below them, and and rightfully so. That's that's the nature of the franchise. That's one of the things I'm proud of about the Nightmare franchise, being a part of it. But there is a thing when a bunch of guys are hanging out with with women on a situation like that. We just start gabbing, blah 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 blah. We're just like, and at a certain point, I was like. Oh shit! We've just talked over. We do, and I, I don't know if you noticed it, but at a certain point, I don't know how to go from like not participating to participating. So I just right. You no, know, you really do. You 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 would go along, and you would like be da 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 in the middle of it, and then all of a sudden you go, oh, I'm I'm mansplaining again. Yeah, and, and then I'm you just, just turn off. Turn off. <laughs> I'll just not. I'll just leave space here. But then afterwards, I don't even remember that I even had the good sense to say that. And just no, say, no. That that was something that you were using many times to to even break in and saying, "Hey, let me man." And and the thing is, is is that is that a legal way of uh of addressing mansplaining to just say that you're going to mansplain something? Yeah, I think it's. Uh... It, it's one of those dicey terms like, you know, the, I mean, basically the, the sort of like the example is someone who's not a doctor, who's a man. Right. Explaining a medical diagnosis to a woman who is a doctor. Um, it's so that's like it, that's like the, the perfect example of it or the most imperfect example of it, I guess. Right. But when it's like two actors from a film who both have experiences on that film then it's not quite the same level of like oh i i'm gonna tell you about nightmare on on elm street lisa wilcox even though you were i wasn't but i'm a fan and so i'm gonna tell you like that would be but there's still that dynamic and i noticed it it's easier to notice it when it's other people like i noticed it when i felt like you or rodney was talking over one of the women, but the, right. at the same time, there's a part of me that's like, but I'm right here talking over them with you. But I don't. <laughs> I hear it when you're doing it, and then I'm able to check myself. Well, you know, yeah, but in self defense, I will I will talk over anybody. True, yeah, that's true. Yeah, hey, you know, it's it's just, hey, I am who I am. You're. It's just like you are. I would say that you are a gregarious. It's like you typify a gregarious person. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that it, like you could put it as like you talk over people, but the way I would say is that when I get a call from you, the energy level in my body and in the room jumps up. <laughs> I think for most people, that's like that's a really good thing. I think that's one of the people reasons people really enjoy you and and unlike having you. You know, uh, I think that I think that's. Uh, I think that's a better quality than sometimes how talking over somebody, especially since you mostly hang out with show business people. If we can't handle being talked over and Mike, you know, yeah. you hang out with actors and directors, like the people with the biggest egos in the world. <laughs> man. Honestly, we are the ones that, that, that go, uh, it, it's not a contest. But it is a contest. <laughs> it's not a competition. But it is. But it is. Yeah. <laughs> it's a dance. It's yeah, a dance. It's, it is. It is. It is. I. Uh, it's competition. It becomes unfun. Actually, that's when it becomes unfun. When it feels like someone is dominating the situation because they need to 
be the first as opposed to someone who's dominating it because they're just excited about what they're talking about. And they're like, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. And if you get excited too, come on, interrupt me, man. Cause this is exciting. Yeah, you're right. This is exactly. You have a right. To, you know what? Anybody that's uh, gregariousness uh, can, it's perfectly legal to come in and break up gregariousness with gregariousness. Yeah. Right. That's, that's fair game. Absolutely. hundred percent. But a bottle to the back of the head, not so much. Well, depends on what he was saying at the time, though. <laughs> and I should say you, that even though it's a concern of mine, uh, Lisa Wilcox, Brooke Theus, Toy Newkirk, Tuesday Night, Brooke Bundy, these are ladies who are fully capable of interrupting and taking the mic back. <laughs> Absolutely. In fact, yeah, I, I was when they have to. That's what I mean. It's not like, yeah. oh. but I'd rather be the guy who knows when he's done and hands it to them than be the one they have to wrestle it out of my hands like I'm Robert England. Oh, now I, I, wanted, sorry. I wanted to ask oh. a question because I, I always thought that this was pretty interesting. Um, I know that you didn't know this that when you took that role, that you were going to be, I, I don't know why I'm going to use the word stuck, but but I, I don't know what other word to use. You're going to be together as a group for the rest of your freaking lives. Yep. And it's, it, I, it's, uh, it's an incredibly interesting dynamic all by itself. You know, I mean, there, there, there could be, a movie just in the dynamic between all of you guys as it goes on over a 30 and 40 year period. I think they made that film. It's called Galaxy Quest. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned my favorite film of all time. <laughs> yeah, I guess it is. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. We shouldn't talk about that because, uh, it's been done, right? No, no. I hey, we do, it should be done in horror. I, I, you know, it should be done, and it should be done with the the cast of Nightmare on Elm Street Four. Oh, I tried, absolutely. I was trying. You know, I was trying a while back to get a film made with all of us in it. And uh, yes, don't ask me what happened to it. Well, the director. Well, no, I know exactly. Wait, I know exactly what happened to it, and so do you. It's called COVID nineteen. Sure. Let's let's blame it on COVID nineteen. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, 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 no. I still like the film a lot. Hollywood was messed up and hard on uh, to do business in before COVID nineteen. I'm not uh, not going to let it let that be the the be all and end all. Who knows? Well, maybe we have a better chance of doing it now that COVID's here. They'll see Obviously. all the uh, attention from the watch alongs. You know what? If if you did change the 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 evil dynamic in it, uh, yeah, yeah. You because, know, I mean, Dan and Lisa are still are out there working. I don't understand that. It scares the hell out of me. <laughs> yeah, COVID schmovid. I'm a movie. <laughs> I'm gonna die. Yeah, well, you know, you know. <laughs> I guess I, I'm, I'm definitely on the nervous side. Some people are like, "Oh, masks, masks. Who cares?" Not me. I'm, I've been locked down since March. I haven't seen anyone. 
Yeah, well, I I have grandchildren here on the on the on the uh, ranch, and and I, I don't know. It's uh, you know, it are does. They, it makes me wonder. Do they go out? What are they? Are they out running around maskless and? How old here? Are you? We got six acres, man. You no, know they they go off and play with their friends and. Uh, yes. Well, you no, know, it's it's they're 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 doing they're they're doing masks more, but but th- th- this is Tennessee, and Tennessee is pretty much ignoring everything. In Pennsylvania, know? everything requires masks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything requires masks here. Yeah, yeah if I, I walk really outside, does. there's a mask on. I mean, there. I mean, it's a it's a it's science. So I think we probably should have just a bunch of people trying different things. To you know, Tennessee should not wear masks. Pennsylvania should wear masks. Washington should call the ex- yeah. It's called call an it's called an experiment, right? Just the yeah. whole thing is an experiment. Yes. Yes, and we are well, all the guinea pigs. <laughs> well, they they're going to school now, and that just freaks me out. Uh, uh. But. Two of them have wound up sick, and 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 now we're waiting for tests. And the tests now take like fourteen days to get back, and it's uh, yeah, it's enough to just drive you nuts. Yeah, it, it, I have cousins who are teachers, and I'm, it makes me very nervous. Oh yeah, my God, yeah, th- this is it, Larry, it's, this whole idea of essential workers. It sounds like it's a compliment. It's not. You don't want to be an essential. I will, I'm so glad that I am inessential. Yeah, <laughs> my podcasts, my music, these things—they are non-essential. If I don't show up, it doesn't matter. I can't be forced to show up and breathe your child's foul COVID-ridden breath. Sorry, <laughs> not your child. <laughs> no, no, of course I didn't take it that way. I was—you notice—I looked away when I said it. I, I, I noticed that you. Oh, it's, it's, wait, wait—is that the cue? Yeah, <laughs> I was wondering. <laughs> I didn't say your child. Oh, my, my. I mean, I don't want your child's COVID. Yeah, no, ab- absolutely not. A- absolutely not. You know, I don't want to make you feel bad. <laughs> you mentioned your music. Uh, do you want to talk more about that? Uh, well, I sent you some. Do you want to? Why do you play? Uh, can you play one of the, the song I sent you on the? On oh, the- I. You know what? I completely forgot to give him that. I Mick, if you send it to me on Facebook, I can play it right now. I know. I you know what? I had one job. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, so many jobs. You got to take care of you got to be a grandfather of those kids. You got to get the green light on your on your the back of your head. You know, you had a podcast, you had a whole Zoom thing to do. You, hey, you had to get me. The hey, menu. that was a lot of work. God damn it. I'm, ki- I'm not kidding. I, there is no, I, I, there is no I, I'm slowly rebuilding my my whole house. So we're lucky we got a backdrop. <laughs> yeah. So you're lucky I have a backdrop. That's true. <laughs> I do feel. I, in, in fact, I was I was mentioning the, uh, to TJ earlier. I, I was saying, yeah, he he's he's got this. Uh, fake backdrop going there and i was like wow you know i i wish you know that i couldn't settle for a uh uh fake backdrop i mean right me mr practical effects guy and everything yeah that's that would be i have to go out and build something like that yeah yeah i get it just like uh you know like i'm known for my wheel of eight for your wheel of eight (laughs) that's right (laughs) i'm all ready to play this song are you guys ready let's hit it okay i'll uh 
pipe in the noise here on the soundboard and uh, it's a pretty cool chord to build a world around each note its own fast forward or rewind and when you're trapped and feeling bored You're solid to be sure You pour some verb into your mouth And all too soon The song is done And that's no fun Cause it's a really cool chord <laughs> To build your day around Oh yeah, <laughs> it's all you can afford. That don't get you down. And the fact is, you've adored this chance to shut it all down. You don't know what you're hitting towards. Sing into the sand And all too young This song is done That's no fun Not nah, ain't no fun Not nah, ain't no fun <laughs> like you're you're doing um garage rock jazz yeah yeah uh yeah like sort of uh if the band did yacht rock yeah <laughs> or or kind of uh grateful dead meets the wallflowers okay 
That's I'm always surprised when people hear like I feel like a lot of times if you sound like something, it's because it's something you didn't listen to. Ah, oh, gotcha. You're unaware. Like, it's not like, like, I don't know that I'm ripping that thing off because I never heard it before. Oh, no, no, not ripping off. Don't get that. I mean, like uh, stylistically, like sometimes like I'm a huge Who fan. And so I use my pa- my power chords judiciously because I don't right. like. And so sometimes so you might not even hear the Who-ness in it because I, I'm so aware of that. You know, I'm sure you right. probably do that like as a, in, in your work. You're like, you're like, I love this movie and I want to steal something in the style. Of it, but because <laughs> I know I'm stealing it, I'm going to bury that. I'm not going to use the most obvious aspect of it. Whereas, well, no, an homage means still means that you sent it through a blender. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying, you know. Uh, but I'm glad you dug it. That's uh that's the newest thing I've done. I've been I produced it here and just in this place right here with you know with my own. I, oh, I, and I sent it around. I didn't play the trombone on it, and I didn't. I was going to say, yeah, who played trombone? A guy named Vikram Devastali. He plays with. Are you are you familiar with Inara George? She uh, is no. the bird and the bee. She's married to Jake Kasdan. Really. Um, she uh she's the daughter of Lowell George from Little Feet. Little Feet? Really? She's phenomenal on her own. I mean, as an artist, I think she's more impressive. No offense to Jake Kasdan, and I'm a huge Lowell George fan, but I think she's more impressive than both of them. Wow. And uh just to really prof- like she has a really very she's very talented vocally, very sophisticated. And uh, and yeah, Vikram plays trombone uh, with her and with uh, some of the people on her label. Uh, she has a label called Release Me Records, puts out uh, Alex Lilly and Samantha Sidley. And yeah, and Vikram plays on all their stuff. And he's also been a guest on Radio 8 Ball for people who want to check out his stuff. He's a pretty excellent songwriter on his own. Oh, really cool. Uh, yeah, no, I, re- I really like it. It's uh, it. it it reminds me of the Seattle area too. Nice. There's something nice. about it that that's uh, yeah. Now living living in Tennessee, uh, and Tennessee is a beautiful place, but it's uh, it it doesn't have that westness that I've always loved. Are you are you near Nashville? I am just outside of Nashville. Yes. Nice. Nice. Well, these, yeah. It's cer- certainly a town that has some good songs in it. Oh yeah, you know there's a. Uh, uh, what I'm getting used to is the Americana kind, because I mean, the hardcore country and, and, and I, I like roots country. Uh, the modern country is a little, but uh, American roots radio here has got an entirely a huge going back through uh, early uh, blue, blue, grass and blues and uh early uh forms of rhythm and blues and 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 that kind of stuff and and early country uh there's a couple of, of uh those cl- you know classic radio stations here that are just amazing and and groups groups that are doing americana music now are, are very very awesome is jason isbell from nashville uh i don't know 
he's someone some of my Nashville friends turned me on to, and he seems like he's probably an example of that. Yeah, I, I, I actually, I, I actually think I've heard him in rotation. Yeah, yeah, he's really good. He's really yeah. good. I was gonna say uh, that song is up on Bandcamp, and if you you feel free to share that link with anyone, absolutely, who listen to I it, absolutely do that. I, I promise I'll do that. Um, yeah. So, uh, all, how how is your other podcast going? Oh, Radio Eight Ball. I've been doing it for twenty something years now. My God. And it's it's sort of it's such a massive thing at this point that it's almost like I feel like if I discovered it now, I'm not sure if I would. I think I might be intimidated. Like it's <laughs> when you just not in, intimidated, like when you discover something that like, oh, an author who's got like 25 books and they're, they're like, you you know, you got to read at least 10 of them to really get into to really know what's going on. You're like. Wow, I mean, I love Gore Vidal, but am I really up to? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was, so I loved it. So, like, I also love big, big works of art like that. But so, just to have an example, so basically, Radio Eight Ball. I've been the format is very simple. We answer questions by picking songs at random and interpreting them like musical tarot cards, and we've right. done it in a lot of different ways, in a lot of different formats on com- on community radio, on commercial radio, live on stage as a web series and now as a podcast. Since we've been doing the podcast, we've conducted, I think going on like 680 individual musical divinations. That's in, since 2017. My God. And that's just in since 2017. Uh, to give you some, another idea of how the scope of it, we just released an app for in the Apple uh, App Store. And it's a game where you can, you know, take your phone, bring up the app, ask it a question like, uh, should I do this podcast with mix uh, with mix strong is strong. Yeah. <laughs> strong. Yeah. Strong. <laughs> <laughs> on dross on <laughs> and uh and then i ask it a question and then i shake it and it plays one of the songs that was recorded in the history of the show and there's 2000 songs in here oh my god each one of those songs is connected to a question and a reading at a specific time with a specific person that goes with it so you start to get a sense of like, this is a document of 20 plus years of independent music, celebrities and normal people asking questions that are tied to things like every election season. There's questions about those elections. When there were fires, there are questions about fires. When there are earthquakes, there are questions about earth. It's like a so there's a document of what people are thinking about. And then there's this coalescence of moments of a synchronicity that we have that I have figured out a way to capture um, and having captured so many of them sort of like in like an Alan Lomax style. Yeah. It's like, there's a document here, but who goes back and listens to all of Alan Lomax's recordings, like college students, like eventually that's, that's, so when you ask how radio, you have calls, to have the time. <laughs> when I look at it is like, I am at, at a certain point, I realized that I was building something that is more of an academic resource than uh than a piece of entertainment which is which makes sense because it was inspired by my father's uh dream seminars and he was an academic and a scholar in that way so i feel like it 
I've been, for me, Radio 8 Ball, a lot of it has been me realizing what it actually is. Because when I started doing it, it was just sort of a fun thing to do late at night on the radio when I was stressing out about my acting career or my music career or my relationships. And then eventually Radio 8 Ball became the thing that I stressed out about. And now <laughs> it's a thing, especially because of the World is Wrong podcast, where I'm kind of realizing, oh, Radio 8 Ball doesn't really like the world is wrong. And I don't mean this in a bad way. The world is wrong is a perfectly dumb idea that everyone can relate to movies. Everyone right. has a movie that they like that nobody else likes. It's a podcast that there's only two episodes. Of course, one of them is three and a half hours. It's true, but it's not this huge barrier to entry of like, oh my God, where do I start at episode 600, 500? Like where, like there's the, 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 the barrier to entry is very small. And, and, and I suggest that absolutely everybody uh, get over themselves and do it. Well, yeah. And I, and I, so here's the thing. So world is wrong. I think it actually could be a very successful podcast because again, because it's easy. Radio 8 Ball is not easy in and like, it's not easy in that there's a lot of it, but also it demands a lot. Like it's synchronicity for some people. Like if you're like me, synchronicity is a big inspiration, but like my co-host on world is wrong the world is wrong uh, podcast, Brian, he was recently on radio eight ball and he hadn't told me this, but he hates synchronicity and is terrified by it. He told a story about like, he runs from synchronicity and it's because he has situated, like he has his mental chemistry is such that uh, pervasive thoughts and things like that. Like he can obsess about a synchronicity in a way that doesn't feel good. Right. I don't think anyone has like people might have that experience with some movies, but nobody has that experience with all movies. But a, I think a lot of people have that experience with synchronicity where some people think there's a conspiratorial aspect to it. And some people who are sort of very sort of shame based, have a lot of shame based religion in their background are like, well, what's wrong? Is this is there says that is this the devil? Is there something nefarious in, the, in here? None of these are like I just don't have that. I don't. I don't believe that the devil is, I don't believe, you know, I don't believe in that the devil is in anything other than in human language and in human concepts. Well, um, I, yeah, I, I always have this thought that, uh, and it's whenever I hear a, a conspiracy theory, I honestly <laughs> have to go back and say to myself, well, yeah, but that's assuming that, 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 that group of people would be able to keep a secret. <laughs> I don't believe that. I just really don't. <laughs> well, you know, some secrets, you know, it's, I think that some secrets are kept for a while and then they aren't kept and then they come out and then it becomes history. And then we forget that they were called conspiracy theories when they well, were. Yeah. You know, but how many people, but how many people turn around and go, wait, are we the baddies here? <laughs> The example I used to, I like to use is the Gulf of Tonkin with Vietnam. Like right. when, when the U.S. government claimed that the Gulf of Tonkin necessitated the Vietnam War, going you know, right. troops in Vietnam, they were lying. It was a conspiracy. Everyone after the fact has told us that, but it went from being like anyone who says that's a conspiracy theorist to being like, well, that's what happened. Robert McNamara told us that's what happened, and so it's history. And there's right. there's like a there's a place in between where it would be nice if we were like, oh, yeah, 
if that was a conspiracy and it was true, then conspiracy theory shouldn't be a thing of like, oh, you're a conspiracy theorist. You're crazy. It's more like you're a conspiracy. It's like a, a cancer theorist. It's like you're a diagnostician. You might have cancer. You might not have cancer. Let's run some tests and find, and out, find out it's really cancer as opposed to like you're a cancer cancer conspiracy theorist. You just think you see cancer everywhere. Well, yeah, if my job is to look for cancer. Then you want to. You want <laughs> well, me on that wall. You need me on that wall. Oh, sorry. I, I have a conspiracy here for you. Uh, uh, my, my conspiracy is that uh, TJ is trying to shut us down. So, that the going along. TJ, how come I've never seen this TJ? <laughs> okay, okay, TJ, show your face. Uh, let's see if he can see me if I pull up here. Uh, this is sad. There I am. That's, uh, that's so yes, TJ. Uh, whenever the video is on Facebook, you'll be able to see it better. Uh, okay. <laughs> well, TJ, you know what? I'd like to join your conspiracy because I want to get out of here. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we, uh, we had to put a 45 minute time limit on Mick uh, early on in the show <laughs> as to prevent myself from having three hour episodes every week. <laughs> So uh, yes. this would be called the Glen Gary Gregarious podcast. Yeah. And- <laughs> <laughs> hey, Andres, I want to thank you so much for joining us, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you too, Mick. I hope uh, I hope that the the time you spent with with the world is wrong made you feel right. Uh, you know what? I'm actually going to listen to it again. Oh, that makes me happy. We have another episode coming out on September 1st with uh, we'll be covering uh, Lee Daniels masterpiece, The Paperboy. OK, well, there you go, everybody. You heard it from us. Not first, but uh, somewhere in there. It's first. <laughs> OK, TJ, take us away. OK, so that was another episode of the Rabbit Hole podcast, part of the Project Louder podcasting network. Head on over to ProjectLouder.net for more great podcasts, your source for pop culture and much more. This is your host with the most most tj bowser and of course that's mick strawn thank you mr jones andros said it right this time andros yes andros andros andros, andros. okay okay andros yes strong jesus uh <laughs> there we go so thank you guys for joining us catch you next week Bye bye